This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. So I love the theme of this year's conference, Heaven's Heart. And this power hour, the theme of it is actually Heaven's Heartbeat. And I've been pondering this uh, for weeks of what Heaven's Heartbeat might sound like. What does it look like in my life? What is the, uh, the beat and the pulse to my life? What makes me tick? And what about you? What's setting the rhythm for your life? Is it God? I think if many of us were honest, we would say that it's not God, that it's not God alone who's directing our path and who's setting the tone for our daily lives. And if life were one great road trip, who's at the wheel? Who is navigating? So I work full-time in a busy office, and I have three kids, and I'm uh, married to a large child trapped in a grown, bearded man's body. Yeah. yeah, those laughing know him, and know I'm not kidding. Yeah, yeah. So between work and my busy household and church life and volunteering, my life starts to feel really busy, and I imagine this is probably familiar for most of you there. It is so easy to get lost in the midst of all of that. It's easy for the heartbeat of our lives to get consumed by everything other than God. Our identities as women can actually get completely wrapped up in everyone else and everything else around us. And we tend to put ourselves at the end and put everyone ahead of us. And our identity can actually start to get sort of washed out and watered down unless we're intentional about it. We can easily start to lose sight of what our identity really is. Now I'm talking about our heavenly identity, heaven's unique heartbeat for each of us. And so a few months ago during a church exercise, I was asked to write down what made up my identity. So here are some examples of what I wrote down. I still have it in my little notebook over there. I wrote wife and mother and sister, worship team member, and sister, friend. These things are all great, they're all true, and I'm proud of each one of these roles, but I realize now that that's what they are, they're roles. They're roles God's entrusted me with, but our identity goes deeper than just a role that we fill. But don't take my word for it. Let's ask the Bible what it has to say about it. So here is a list I found of what heaven has to say about you. You are beautiful. You are unique. You are loved. You are special. You are created with a purpose. You are cared for. You are lovely, precious, strong. You are important. You are forgiven. You are a new creation. You are protected. You are chosen. You are family. And you are mine. So needless to say, this is my new list. And if we truly want to know what God wants for the heartbeat of our lives, we need to figure out who he wants us to be. Now, this is not necessarily an easy task, but I think we need to start at the beginning. I mean, the very beginning. So when God created Adam, it was the only time in scripture where he looked at his creation and he said it was insufficient. In Genesis 2:18, God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. I think many of us could look at the men in our lives and say, mm-hmm, yeah, it's not good for them to be alone. <laughs> yeah, that's true in my case. Yeah, so he created us women. And actually, there's a great video by Lisa Bevere. You should Google it when you go home. And she talks about how women are the solution to the world's very first problem. Yeah, it's true. 
And she does a great job at pointing out that we aren't actually a problem, which we often convince ourselves we are, that no, we are the solution. We are God's own solution and divinely purposed. In university, I studied international development, and when looking at how to best improve the lives of those living in developing countries, the, off, um, the uh, solution would often lie in the women. If women in those places could be empowered, then positive change was the direct result. It was evident not just in her own life, but in the life of her family and the entire community. So household finances would improve, child mortality rates would drop, and local economies would be better off when women were empowered. Because the solution for a better life can be found in women. And I believe that is true all over the world because God himself created us for a purpose. We are the solution to the world's first problem. Now let the power of that statement sink in for a minute. As a woman, you are a solution, present tense. You still are. It didn't end in the garden because that's where everything began. You are needed. You have a purpose and God himself said that the world is not good without you. So what is your purpose? What problem are you here to solve? And the world will give you a thousand answers to that question because there's seemingly no end to the need in our world. And that's where our purpose can get lost. With so many opinions and so many voices weighing in and so much demand on our time, who is driving your narrative? Jeremiah 29:11, which was already mentioned today and already texted to me this morning by someone who had no idea what I was talking about today, said, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So, if God has plans for us to prosper, is he guiding your current plans? Like I said at the beginning, for many of us, the answer would be no. So what is it? Is it our kids? Is it our spouse, our job, our parents, our friends? Maybe even our own personal priorities for what we think is most important? But if the heartbeat of our lives is not coming from heaven, then we need to change course. We need to stop and align ourselves with God's purpose for us and seek out the problems that he intended us to solve, heaven's own heartbeat. Like in Isaiah 43, it says we're created for his glory. So a good place to start would be to reflect on whether or not your purpose is giving glory to him. So for some of you, you might know what your purpose is. Some do, some are lucky enough to know what they're put on earth to accomplish. And if that's you, I just wanna speak to you for a moment and tell you that I think you should write this down. I need you to spend time in prayer asking God to reveal the full extent of what it looks like. Ask him to flush it out, to build on it, share it with a trusted friend or your pastor, and ask help in seeking out more and seeing it through. But don't stop there. Ask God what else. We don't stop at just one God dream for our lives. We need to keep moving forward because he's never finished with us. Now, if you don't know your purpose or you're not sure, and I think many of us would feel that we are in that category, I have a simple suggestion to help you figure it out. And luckily, it is cheesy enough that you are going to remember it. But we'll get back to that in a minute. What we need to do is to be able to hear what God has for us and to help you start to shift your life into a rhythm that God has for you. But don't be discouraged if his purpose for your life feels a little bit uncertain at times. Because what I'm learning is the puzzle pieces that fit together, the lines sometimes start to change. And he tends to do this with us. As we draw closer to him and align ourselves with our, his plans for our life, you'll start to change and you'll start to grow 
and then he's going to start to give you more, and then the plan's going to change, because God's a little bit unpredictable that way. Yeah, the control freaks in the room just got really uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. If unpredictability and change makes you uncomfortable, then prepare for some discomfort if you're serious about letting God take you on his purpose for your life. If you're serious about letting him guide you and take you on a great road trip, it is going to be uncomfortable. Because the only way that this works is if you give him complete control. I'm going to repeat that. The only way this works is if you give him complete control. Complete control. Yeah. That is going to take a lot of bravery for some of us, um, but it will be worth it. Trust me. Last July, or last June, my husband lost his job unexpectedly. And while I was spontaneous and adventurous and I could, you know, take any curveball life threw at me when I was younger, once I got married and had kids, this changed basically overnight. When I had others to care for and be concerned for, my risk tolerance bottomed out and was gone. I started to love predictability and stability and the unknown and change started to really freak me out and make me uncomfortable. And I think that I thought that this was a good thing. I thought, well, I'm growing up, I'm getting more mature, I'm settling down. Um, but this job loss made me realize something and it made me face the fact that I didn't fully trust God to protect me and care for my family. I was terrified about what was next and I didn't know how we were gonna pay our bills. But I made the decision to praise him anyway. I was scared, but still praising. So the next morning, you know when you wake up in the morning, you kind of come to that realization of what day it is, and you're like, Christmas morning, it's like, oh, Well, okay, that's me on Christmas morning, still, to this day. Um, yeah, I'm kind of a geek that way, I really like Christmas and Easter and things like that. And th there's those days like Mondays where you wake up and you're like, oh, yeah. Okay. So I woke up that morning after he lost his job, and it was, it was like a Monday feeling. Some line there, and this is what I said. I didn't hadn't moved yet. I go, God, um, I'm really scared, and I'm really upset, and I just don't want to make this worse for him or my kids, because I have the potential to really make this worse. So please, just let me know that you've got this. I need to know that you've got this. Amen. That's how that went. It was short and desperate. And in a perfect world, I probably shouldn't have needed to do that. As a Christian, I probably should have just sort of trusted God implicitly, right? You know, he's always there for us. But that's not the reality oftentimes when we're faced with these difficult times. You know, I realized this was completely beyond my control. And all I could do was come to God helplessly and ask him to remind me that he was still on the throne. And do you want to know what happened next? I mean, like, immediately next. I sat up, and I reached down, and I unplugged my phone, which was charging next to my bed. And as I walked to the bathroom to brush my teeth, I looked at it, and there was a text message waiting for me. And the text message was from a man from our church who was our uh, connect group leader. Now, he and I don't text often, um, so this is very out of the blue. And he's an early riser and he had already been up and at work, and he was blaring worship music at work. And this is what the text message said. I'm not even kidding. It was awesome. It said, hey girl, just at work early, listening to some worship music, and this song came on, and I can't stop thinking your name keeps popping into my head. 
So I figured I might as well just send it to you. I figure it's for you. Have a great day. He has no idea what's just happened. So you want to know what, the, what it was? So I click, I'm, I'm in the bathroom by this point, about to brush my teeth. And I click on the song, and it's called Thy Will Be Done. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's ironic. And I'm still half asleep at this point. So the writer of this song, you've probably heard it on the radio, um, and it's, uh, the writer is singing to God. She's going through something tough, and she's being honest and singing these words to God. I put some of them up here. I know you're good, but this don't feel good right now. It's hard to count it all as joy, distracted by the noise, just trying to make sense of all your promises. Sometimes I've got to stop, remember that you're God and I am not. So thy will be done. Then the bridge says, I know you see me. I know you hear me, Lord. Your plans are for me, goodness you have in store. So thy will be done. Within seconds of asking God to show me that he's got my back, he texted me those words. And the immediacy of that answered prayer literally reduced me to tears on my bathroom floor. And from that moment on, I knew he was in control of whatever was happening and that he would see me through to the other side of it. My job was to let go of needing to know the way through it. So this was an important first step in what turned out to be <clears throat> almost a year of job turmoil. What we initially thought was going to be one simple life lesson turned into a string of many for both of us. I think some of you can probably relate to that. It was as though God had pulled up into our driveway and said, hop in. And each time along the way, we thought we had arrived at the intended destination, and each time we hadn't. And the control freak in me was quite literally losing her mind. But God provided for us every single day. And in many ways, we are more financially secure than we were before. And there is absolutely no earthly explanation for that. And I can tell you that this wasn't the last time that God answered my prayer with such jaw-dropping immediacy. Just a few weeks ago, the job turmoil was still ongoing and was in full swing. And I, <laughs> frustrated by this, I was at my desk and I just quietly and boldly in my head asked God <laughs> to change the mind of an employer who a few weeks earlier had turned him down for a job. Yeah, because that's going to happen, right? But I just read this great article about prayer and how we sometimes look at prayer like it's some magic wand and we're like, oh, I just say my magic prayer. Ding! God's going to, like, like it's somehow powerful that I said it. And it's not that. The, the power in prayer is the fact that we serve a powerful God. And he wants us to come to him helpless and say, I need you. And that's the power. That's, that's the magic of it is he's powerful. So I had this in mind when I decided to utter that completely ridiculous prayer. <clears throat> Within half an hour of that prayer, still sitting at my desk, I hadn't moved, that employer, weeks later, text messaged my house. Have you ever gotten a text message to your house? And it reads it in that weird Stephen Hawking voice. And it took us a little while to figure out who, this is how, we, do, we don't even know this person. That they, ha, they texted our house phone, because the only phone number they could find for him, asking him to come in and see, come in to see them. And the short story is, uh, when he got there, they said that we've reconsidered, and they wanted to offer him a job, no interview, at a higher salary than the job had been posted for. I literally dropped my phone on my desk, and my coworker, said what happened. I told her, I was like, so weird. She said, it's not weird, it's God. 
And I honestly think that God starts to show off when we start to grasp how powerful he is. The most important thing, though, is after eight months, I realized that I was not afraid anymore. That no matter where God drove us, I could trust that he knows the way better than me. He does not promise that it's going to be an easy ride. Sometimes I think he just sort of hands us a barf bag and says, hang on, honey. <laughs> That's sort of how I felt. Yeah. I wanted to throw up a lot over the last year. Yeah. You know what, though? He is an excellent driver, and journeying with him requires you to hand over the keys and strap yourself in to the passenger seat, an unfamiliar place for some of us. But the Message Bible in Matthew 16, 24 says this. I love this. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. That's a great verse for road tripping with Jesus. You know, the other thing too is while we strap ourselves into the passenger seat, do not expect him to give you a road map <laughs> or a final destination while you're still in your driveway. Prepare yourself for the reality that his plan is going to unfold in bits and pieces and in his timing. If he revealed everything to you up front, you would literally run in the other direction because the you of today is completely different than the you you will be in a year from now if you decide to follow him. If God had told me last June what was happening and what was going to happen, I actually wouldn't have been able to stomach it. But if you let him, he will change you. He will change your heart. He will start putting people and opportunities in your path that will prepare you for what he has for you. But do not miss it. Be brave enough for step one. Be brave enough to let him back you out of the driveway, even though you might not know where you're going. Can we at least agree to do that today? To let Jesus back us out of the driveway, to let him show us the way. But how? So this is the part of the message where speakers usually give you five easy points to follow, or some of them give you like 18 quick steps, and then three and eight kind of sound the same, then you run out of notepaper. And uh, I, I'm not going to do that. I came up with something really simple. This is the cheesy part I know you've been waiting for. I want you to leave here and remember something just short and sweet so that when you feel like you need to hear from God and you need to align yourself and connect with him, get road trip ready, here's what you're going to do. Now, some of you, this might remind you of fire safety in school. We are going to stop, drop, and scroll. <laughs> stop what you're doing drop to your knees in prayer, and scroll through your Bible. Now, conveniently, this works for hard copy and for electronic Bible apps. <laughs> Stop, drop, and scroll. You're going to remember that. You're going to go home and tell a friend there's this cheesy lady, and she said this hilarious thing. But you're not going to forget it. That's going to be the good part. You're going to remember me when, you're, uh, when you hear about fire safety next. You're going to think about God. It's just, it's far too easy to get... Um, to miss God's plan for us. He's always standing right next to us. But if you aren't intentionally listening, you will miss him. So every day you need to stop, drop, and scroll. Start small. Takes a few minutes each day in quiet prayer time where you just let him start to show you the problems for which he wants you to solve. So open your Bible daily, start scrolling, and you will be amazed at what he starts to point out to you. And you, if you ask him to start speaking to you, he may just send you a random text message from a friend. 
Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you the great, unsearchable things that you do not know. And he will. The point is to really start to get to know God, to understand his word, and to recognize the sound of his voice. Um, my friend Megan here, has a, her dad is a pastor, and he recently shared this quick quote on social media that I thought summed this thought up nicely. Truly knowing God results in knowing yourself. Revelation leads to identification. So stop, drop, and scroll. And you know what? Don't worry if you don't feel prepared. He will prepare you. At our church, we like to say that God does not call the prepared. He prepares the called. And he's calling you. You, not just the person sitting next to you. He's calling you. And if he's calling you, that means he will prepare you. See, God doesn't make his best guess and hope that you're the right person. See, that's sort of the thing about being, you know, all-powerful, omniscient, perfect God is he knows what he's doing. But you need to trust him and you need to prepare yourself for the ride. And I fear that few of us are fully ready for the full extent of what he has called us to do because we're carrying around too much baggage. He's in our driveway. We're ready for our road trip. But we've got the back seat and the trunk so full of baggage that you can't even see out the back window. And this is the beautiful thing about God is he knows this about us and he sent a solution. He sent his son, Jesus, to take our baggage so that we can be freed up to start being the solution to problems so we can start our road trip with him. So if Jesus took our burdens, why are we still carrying them? Why are we still shoving them in the back seat? But we all are. It's sort of crazy when you think about it. We need to let go, and it requires trust and bravery and change. But that weight that you feel that so many of us suffer under is, is sort of like something called phantom limb pain. I don't know if any of you are familiar with this. Carlene, do you, you know about this? All right. Well, if I get this wrong, don't correct me. Just make them think that I'm super smart. <laughs> All right. So phantom limb pain is an occurrence that can happen to someone who has lost a limb. They can still experience pain and cramping at the point of their limb that has been lost. And although the limb is no longer there, the nerve endings at the site of amputation continue to send pain signals to the brain, and it makes the brain think, th think that the limb is still there. So imagine clenching your arm as hard as you can for so long that it completely seizes up in intense pain. This is what can happen, but they aren't able to relax it and let it go because the limb actually doesn't exist anymore. Isn't that just like us? You know, our baggage has been lifted from us, it's been paid for, but we still suffer under its weight. And for the patient who's suffering with this phantom limb pain, doctors use something called mirror therapy. And the doctors will place the patient's complete arm in a mirrored box, and then their amputated limb in the other side. And the mirrored reflection, when they look down, makes it look as though there's two full arms in front of them. And with a clenched hand, they will slowly release. And the mirrored image makes it look as though the missing limb is also releasing. And it is enough to trick the brain into letting go and finally feeling free of pain. That visual is all the brain needed to finally let go and to release, for that pain to cease and for us to have healing. And sometimes our minds need convincing that the pain we're feeling is already gone. It's been carried on the shoulders of the Almighty. And by going to the cross, he dealt 
with your baggage once and for all. And this is important because it means he knows the way through. He has come out victorious on the other side of sin and pain. So he knows the way through for you. He's journeyed it for you. He doesn't need a map. And like the story of that clenched fist, the pain was never meant to be there. But to receive that healing, you actually need to be able to let go. So today is our day of letting go. We are going to pull out the mirror, we're going to look deep into our baggage, and we're going to reverse out of the driveway. No map, no baggage, but with the world's best navigator. John 15, 16 says, But I choose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. And here's where we need each other. Women can be very hard on each other, and this needs to stop. The church needs its women unified. We need to start to be each other's biggest cheerleaders. We need to stop criticizing each other and judging each other. And for the sake of sisterhood, could we not just leave the judging to God? If we're going to start to be brave enough to make changes in our lives and start finding our purpose, we are going to need each other because it's scary. We're going to need a reminder that we're enough and that we are called and that we are the solution. And we can't underestimate the power of holding each other up on this journey. Do you remember the story of the man who's paralyzed and his friends took him to see Jesus, but the crowd was so big that they couldn't get him there, so they climbed up on the roof? Remember that? Okay, so that man left healed that day, no longer paralyzed. Incredible story. He left a changed man. Why? Well, because Jesus healed him. Why? Was it because he reached out and touched Jesus' garment? Nope. That was the woman we heard about this morning. Was it because um, he met Jesus at a well and had a life-changing conversation with him? No, that was the woman from the well we sang about this morning. The reason that paralyzed man left healed that day was because of his friends. It was because of their faith. They believed that Jesus could heal their friends. They climbed up on a roof and they literally dug through the roof with their hands and they lowered their friend to Jesus. Why? Because they believed that he deserved a better life. They believed he deserved healing, and they wanted more for him. They wanted him to have a touch from God. And the Bible says it was their faith that made him well. So can we commit to being that type of friend today? So if you see your sister in Christ starting to back out of her driveway on her awesome road trip with Jesus, just take a quick peek inside and make sure she doesn't have her hand on the emergency brake. <laughs> you need to remind her that he knows the way. Like the friends of that paralyzed man, we need to be willing to go to great lengths for each other to pray bold prayers, and to be willing to help our friends get their touch from God. Let's help each other figure out what heaven's heartbeat looks like for each of our lives. Let's unite together for the shared purpose of moving forward and for the express purpose of letting God take us on an incredible journey. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com. 